We're about to kick off an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, brought to you by the fine folks over at, where else? Geekinthecity.com. If you enjoy this show, and I think you do, the best way to help us out is just spread the word. Uh, tell everybody that you enjoy listening to Geek in the City Radio on whatever social media platform you use, as well as giving us a five-star review on sites like iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or iHeartRadio. Those reviews go much farther than you would ever imagine in helping us climb the metrics, which uh, just gets us more listeners, which just makes us a bigger and more nerdier family for everyone to enjoy, which we're going to do right now with an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. Stuff that makes you scream and shout. Hit the red alert. We're going more back to 12. Thanks for pressing play. Now we're gonna save the day. Alright! Okay. <laughs> yeah. Why, hello. Welcome to issue 635 of Geek at a Video Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I'm one of your other hosts, Finarita. And I am. Half of your other other host, Cable Hushtani. I know, man. How are you? How you doing there, Cable? I'm all right. Uh, I'm full disclosure. I injured myself at work today, so I'm having a very oh. yeah. I have a back injury. I'm gonna be okay. I just need to rest and not overdo it. Yes. Thank yeah, you, no. by the way, for coming to my rescue here, and I appreciate. You're it. welcome. Oh, are you the one who got him home today? Yep. I feel like, I mean, clearly Cable wins, but I I feel like we might all be riding uh, the same struggle bus right now. Uh, That's still true of everybody. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we're all kind of still fighting with stuff. I mean, it's, it's weird for me, like, Personally, like career-wise, having something like really cool, not that much farther away now, but then also like, yes, tangentially dealing with everything else in the world. Like I'm only like one friend removed from the woman who witnessed everything at Normandale Park. Oh, shit. Yeah, she's like a a landmark person. Not as much Mm -hmm. lately, but. You know, used to run into her at FER events like all the time. Wow. Uh, I think she worked with Keelan on an earlier Star Pilot album. So, jeez, oh, okay, yeah. So it's a it's like a one degree of separation kind of thing, you know. That's the dog I uh, normally take my dog to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of stuff like that, you know. Um, there's a just, thing that. Sorry, go ahead. No, I just I just like actually seeing like s- some actual like live footage and then watching the fucking Portland police press conference that was like it was literally nothing but lies. Oh, I yeah. Like in every it wasn't even pretending to tell the truth. It was 100% lies. Awesome. You know what they do. 
yeah, it was like nuts. And like, you know, Wheeler not even pretending that a lot of this is like his fault by, you know, telling people that protesting should hurt. Yeah. What's going on in the background? It might be you, Cable. It's like me. Okay. Well, the noise stopped. That's weird. I, I think there was some outside noise that was getting through. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, we're still getting a little bit of weird stuff, but you sound okay now. Okay. Okay. I mean, yeah, that that's kind of. You know, that's kind of where my head's at, but, you know, trying to stay positive because, you know, good things are happening and whatnot, but the world will do its damnedest to keep punching back kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um... What is that that saying about, like, it takes, like, six... (laughs) comments or like six positive things to be said to you to like mentally or like emotionally negate like one hurtful comment that someone says to you um i think it's something like that where okay well yeah here's a good thing that happened okay great but here's a bad thing that happened oh my god right And, and like it's you know like two steps forward one step back like just like the 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 negative the negative things that happen, like, uh, steal some of the joy out of the positive things that happen. Yeah, it. Yeah, that that's a thing that is still kind of messing with me. But I am I am trying to be appreciative of of, of the positive things that has, you know, I, I think at least on on the stuff that I'm doing has been a result of like you know working hard and putting in the time and all that stuff and not really any shortcuts at all. (laughs) So, you know, no one's going to be able to look at what I did and say, well, they only got that published because he knew people. Like, no, that's, that's not what happened. You know? Um, Well, do we, do we want to dive into this? Yeah. If you guys want, sure. Um, So that might've been some of it. Maybe. So yeah, tonight on the show, we are going to continue our Avatar dive. I think we're episode 7 and 8, I believe. Mm-hmm. We've been trying to do four episodes at a time, but the last time we talked about it, we only did two of the four episodes. Yeah, and this one's a two-parter anyway, 7 and 8. Y- yes, which doesn't make any sense, because it's not really. I, I know. Um, but yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... Yeah, so also thing we're going to talk about is my comic, Season of the Bruja. <laughs> woo! Uh, woo! Which comes out now, I believe now it is officially March 30th. It was originally March 16th. Um, previews now says March 30th. Like, I actually checked 10 minutes before you guys logged on to make sure that I wasn't imagining things. And it's March 30th now. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it's because of literally paper issues. That makes sense. Um, printers don't have paper right now. Um, Supply chain issues are hitting everyone, like the Girl Scouts of America. 
cannot get their cookies. Right. Because of supply chain issues. So. Yeah. We get it. Oh. I wonder so, why that little girl only had like four flavors. <laughs> uh, I mean, well, you know, maybe she's also really popular and she sold a lot of them. I mean, maybe. <laughs> and it's so good for her. Uh, they were supposed to vend at the uh, at the store over the weekend and couldn't come in. Mm-hmm. Right now, they're only being supplied with enough cookies to fulfill the pre-orders they took in January. There's oh. still some 15,000 unfulfilled orders for the uh, Northwest Oregon and Southwest Washington area. Wow. That's bonkers. Yep. No, I feel weird. This is the first year I haven't bought any yet. Because I just destroy them. But four boxes and I think they're already gone. <laughs> I get those damn peanut butter ones and I just I just wreck them. <laughs> Are you, by peanut butter, do you mean dosy doughs or the tagalongs? Tagalongs. Which are the ones without chocolate? They're just they're literally dosy doughs. Yeah, the dosy doughs. So yeah, I'm I'm a um tagalog man myself. Okay. I like to take a tagalong, but they can get really sweet. So I I take a trefoil. Trefoil? Mm. I I never know trefoil. what is correct. Trefoil. And I and I stack them on top of each other and eat them together. So you basically... then the, sh- the shortbread cuts the chocolate and peanut butter. Mm-hmm. You make sense. like a McTavish cookie kind of. Mm-hmm. Isn't that that brand? Yeah, McTavish shortbread cookies. McTavish shortbread uh, cookies. Yeah. It's local. Yeah. No, I'm a, I'm a dose of dose. I like those damn things so much. I have actually at one time taken like an entire tube and crumbled them into smaller bite-sized pieces and basically made a bowl of dosy do cereal. Okay, now like, you're a monster. Well, I like dunking it in, in milk, so why not cut out, you know, the extra effort? I'm... <laughs> I don't know if that but... makes him a monster. I think it makes him an... an... Oh, I had the word. Words have escaped me. <laughs> an eating disorder? You're right, Cable. No, I'm gonna go with mm, uh, visionary. <laughs> yeah, culinary. Um, by the way, uh, if you Google, if you Google dosy dose, um, it's only like thirty percent cookies. The results. I don't want to know the rest. But dirty. Or is it? Just, or is it just square? Is it just square it dancing? Square shit. dancing. I. I no, nope. no, it is not square dancing. It's weed. Lots of oh. weed. It must be some sort of strain that is very popular. Right. I don't know. I feel like every Girl Scout cookie got renamed into a weed strain at one point or another. Or so. are there are people naming weed strains after Girl Scout cookies? Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Uh, there was a year, a couple years ago, I think it was one of the many weed shops we have. And I think this was when I was on uh, like Division. Mm-hmm. And there is a young girl, and I'm assuming her father like just to the left of the entrance to the weed shop just raking in the fucking money of girl scout cookies yeah <laughs> it's like good for her she knows her target target demographic <laughs> yeah you know what's great about that is most girl scouts will take cards where you still have to bring cash to every weed store so. i know it's so hilarious and they'll and weird go oh i'm out of cash but I do have my card. It's fine. Yeah. It's on my card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like the, That's tamale. the only reason I got those cookies the other day because I don't carry cash. 
Unless yeah. they go to the weed store. I know. No, a lot of them now carry it. Yeah. It's like with the tamale guy on uh, on Hawthorne that you that would sell on the corner by the new seasons there. Mm-hmm. Like for years, the only reason why I didn't buy a lot every single time is I quit carrying cash. And I don't know, it's probably like a year ago now. Like I saw him out there. He always wears a suit. Like always. He wears his brown suit. <laughs> and you know, same thing, you know, he's like tamales. And I said, I don't have any cash. He got this big old grin. He says, I take square. <laughs> and I was like, damn it. So I bought tamales. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. He's like, square. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, someone that's what we're doing. that up to him. You know he did. Like, oh, yeah. Someone had to tell him. You'd like, make more money if you did square. Yeah. Yeah. Good for him, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what we do. Sorry, I'm, like, really out of it right now. Um, that's quite all right. Yeah. It makes it hard to do a show where you're like, let me talk about all the cool stuff I'm doing. <laughs> Meanwhile, I can't stop yawning. This is going to be a real exciting show, you guys. I know. Here. Um, all right. Fine. Thanks for that. I'll get, I will get us started. Today, we are talking about Aaron Duran and Sarah Solar's new book, Season of the Bruja, from Oni Press. Woo! Woo! Yeah, much anticipated. Um, lots of hurdles on this one, right? Can we talk about those at all? Let's... Yeah, we can talk about those. And it's let's, not... let's let's give it some backstory. Okay, yeah. So it's got and it's funny. It's got I... oh, wavy arms, Bean. Um, and it's not from like anything bad. It's not like like oh, this company screwed this. Like it's none of that. Uh, so this started in case people were wondering how long comics can take. This started as an initial conversation with my editor, my now editor, Shauna, back in like early August of 2018. <laughs> uh, yeah. So long ago. 2018. Uh, she said, Hey, I'm, I, I, I'm now like an editor at Lion Forge, and we're trying to bring in more diverse creators and more diverse stories. Um, do you want to meet and have some coffee and chat with me a bit? I was like, sure. And I've had a lot of meetings that have gone there and have gone nowhere past that stage. That's just the nature of all creative pitching. And we have coffee, and she asked me if you know if I still was working on the stuff with Althalia. I said, you know, I haven't touched it in a while um, for various reasons. And she's like, well, do you think you could kind of bring it back? Could you do something brand new with that character? And I was like, yeah, because I kind of always wanted to. Like, just do uh, all new stories. Like, it's the same name, but, like, that's kind of it, you know. Um, she said, great, I'm going to I'm gonna run the idea past, you know, my bosses at Lionforge, and I'll get back to you. By then, I knew I was going to the Mexiconics Initiative uh, that was in San Jose, the Worldcon that year. And I remember telling her, great, you know, let me know when, just FYI, this one four-day weekend, I won't be around at, like, the middle of October. And she said, okay, no problem. I didn't really hear from her. I check in once in a while, like, how's this going? You know, she's like, oh, fine, you know. Uh, I haven't had a chance to have it yet. Things are going crazy, you know, at Lionforge. Because this was when Lionforge was really also kind of blowing up. Mm-hmm. Like, Catalyst was off and running. They had just, like, purchased an animation company, I think. Or at least their parent company did. So things were really moving at Lionforge. 
and I'm at the Mexiconics Initiative, like, and it's Friday or Saturday night, and I get an email from her saying, hey, they want the full pitch for me to bring in on Monday. I'm like, in my head, I was like, this is the one weekend I specifically said, please don't ask me to do anything. But comics, kids. Um, so, yeah, I wrote, like, the page and a half, you know, pitch, you know, with the log line and all the characters and all that stuff. And it was only a, like a few weeks later, she was like, yep, they want to do it. Uh, Lion Forge wants it. Um, and that was awesome. I was super pumped. So we started working on, you know, just kind of plot breakdown. Um, and again, I'm not telling anything out of school. This is a long backstory to get here, but this is the path that comics take sometimes. But uh, I, I thought that it would be nice for you to be able to share this because it's not something we always get to talk about with other creators. That's true. Like these things can take a long time. Um, I don't remember exactly stories, but not everyone else who's been listening, who's been wanting to hear this story for years. That's true. Heard it. So okay, this is um, your yeah. time. It's As okay. Cable knows, and Ann Bean knows, I'm very bad about talking about. For someone who doesn't shut up, I'm very bad at talking about myself. <laughs> um, that was a little hearty laugh on that. <laughs> uh no lies detected <laughs> right so anyway I, i'm trying to remember when it happened but eventually um lion forge merged with oni press um, that was and, that was a while ago yeah i want to say that was 2019 i think mm-hmm. i think it was and, announced 2019 yeah yeah and all of the things that go with a merger there are layoffs i mean there is whether intended or not, there is ugliness. There is people that feel hurt and slighted. Um, I don't know any of the details. I really don't. I'm not trying to like be you know coy on this. I know none of the details. All I knew was that almost every day I kept waiting for that email to say, "Hey, Aaron, very sorry, but because of the merger, your book is off." Uh, I, I was just expecting that. I was just because that's just what happens because you know companies then tighten their belts after mergers. Um, it didn't happen. Uh, but it was no longer going to be a Lion Forge book. It was going to be an Oni title. Um, and by then, I was already writing it as a five... Oni, uh, Lion Forge wanted a five-issue series, initial story arc. And that's how I was writing it. When Oni got it, Oni decided um, we do better as original graphic novels, especially with that age group. So we're going to make it one OGN. Not So I was like, all right. It took some script retooling to do it because there's a different pace you write for monthlies as opposed to a straight OGN. There's a slight, you do a slight pace shift a little bit. Um, that's when we like meet Sarah and Sarah's now on board as the artist and the colorist and inker and everything that makes the book look gorgeous. That's all Sarah, like all of it. Um, <clears throat> she's brought on board. Um, <laughs> then COVID hits and everything comes to a friggin' halt and the comic publishing and publishing in general takes a massive hit. And I'm again like, okay, just every time I saw an email from Sean, I was like, this is the one, this is the one that she says, I'm so sorry. It's not you. It's the industry never came. Well, and to be clear at this, at this, time in 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 culture in the pandemic a lot of companies were uh, a a lot of comics groups were 
paring down their staff. Oh, or, yeah. Or their, and... or their titles and titles and individuals of color or any any underrepresented group were the yeah. first ones to get cut from the list of here who we are going to represent this year. Um, yeah, that was happening was just a lot. Sort of sticking to like, you know, the big names and titles that were known moneymakers. Yeah. Uh, basically, if your name was in the top 20 of creators, like your books were okay. But companies were really pulling back on taking a chance. Um, that's actually like, it's not, it's not related, but this is when you see folks like Joe Illich step up and be like, this isn't going to stand. Like, we're going to hold these companies accountable because they keep talking about, you know, diversity of creators and stories. And, you know, and, you know, he, and he kind of held them to their word. It was pretty cool how, you know, Joe really kept track of all of that. Um, but again, the last, at the time, it was still called The Last Bruja, um, survived all of that. Um, and even, I don't want to speak too much more, but even Sarah back in, she's in Spain, started going through stuff. I think she handed up, she's mentioned this on her Instagram, I believe. Her her landlord decided to kick everyone out and make upscale apartments or condos. So she was forced to move in the middle of a pandemic. She moved into a new apartment with her partner. And I believe right as they began to unpack, the apartment flooded. So, yeah, it was like everything kept like just sucker punching this book, but we kept pushing ahead. Um, and then about a year ago or so, um, if I remember correctly, uh, Oni had another change in management. And I wasn't actually worried this time because everyone was really believing in the book. But the change in management decided, no, Oni publishes comics. So The Last Bruja is going back to five issues. <laughs> Which again uh, required some shifting of the script, uh, a script that was already done and pages that were probably already half drawn. And again, it's not me being like, "Whoa, is us?" It's like this is what happens in comics. Like this is how flexible you have to be when you work in comics. Like this is the shit that just happens. Um, I'm trying to think. Like that's all led up to now. Uh, no, I've known for a while, and like you guys have obviously known for a while, but I couldn't make the official announcement until. I think it was November 30th of last year was when the, uh, yeah, it was when the announcements could, could finally be made. Yep. Behind the scenes, we knew over a year before. Yeah, at least. And, and every time that you're like, I finally get to announce it this week it was met with, I don't get to announce it this week. Yeah. No, nah, because things were constantly shifting. That was like a um, dozen times that you had to tell us that. And it's like, man, this sucks. You're like, yeah, nope, I think... nope, it's it's fine. We're moving forward. You put on the most, you were frustrated, but you put on the most positive face that you could every single time. You did your best to see the silver lining, and I do appreciate that, and I'll bet Sarah also appreciated that. Yeah, no, thank you. It was not, there were a few times it was extra difficult. Um, I think one of the times was like during Rose City. I thought that was where it was going to happen. In fact, I remember, I think, Bean, you had like messaged me like towards the end of the Rose City weekend and you're like, and you're like, is it time? Good news? Can we start telling people? And I was like, no. 
you, you were like, why? I was like, I'll tell you later. <laughs> uh, it makes a real roller coaster. Yeah. It, it makes sense why at Rose City, because it was the first Rose City out of the pandemic, and there was like, and this isn't a dig on Rose City, there was just fuck all for press there. That's press mm-hmm. weren't going to any shows, so it made sense. Uh, so yeah, and that has now led to this. It's issue one drops March 30th. Um, uh, my birthday, February 27th, is the official FOC. For folks who don't know, that means final order cutoff. The 27th and the 28th are the last days your local store can put in an order for the book and get it on the release date. Um, I have no idea how big of a print run Oni's doing. Um, I'm told that they're really, like, they are really pushing hard for this book, and I've seen it. Like, it's got a, it had a fucking five-page spread in Diamond, which is <laughs> seems bonkers to me. I mean, I'm great, but that's a big deal that I immediately put pressure on myself like well if it bombs it, it's all my fault um, that's not true uh, no no and uh, and you know that no I know um, uh, but th- just to again some inside baseball um, when when a company takes out a multiple page spread in previews that's no small thing like yeah. DC and Marvel do that for their tentpole crossover miniseries. Yeah. So which that's... is But you can tell why that makes me anxious almost immediately because of how I'm wired. Mm-hmm. Like I was gonna I was like I was gonna pop into Bridge City at the time. I was like, oh I wanna check out the new previews and thinking I'll get like a half page. Because that's you know that seems about right for a debut comic through Oni, and it's not a dig on that. It's just that seems like you know what they even a whole page is normal for that. Yeah, so I was all excited, and I walk in, and it rings like, "Look at you, Mister Five Page Spread." <laughs> I'm like, "What?" He's like, "Oh, you haven't seen it yet, have you?" I'm like, "No." And he's like, "Yeah, go to that page, then turn the page, then turn the page again." I'm like, oh, <laughs> "So." Um, which, by the way, that copy I sent to Sarah in Barcelona because Europe has a whole other distribution system they don't have diamond and so what must that be like oh they they don't have a company that has a stranglehold on the industry i'm sure no they don't at all it's almost like she lives in a a country and in a continent that uh, celebrates the medium of comics as a legitimate art and literature form and doesn't relegate it to you know kids stuff or weird right denigrate it yeah yeah that's uh that's that's the only downer is that she doesn't get a copy of previews and that was technically the first time these characters have been to print so she was all excited i was like i'll send you my copy so i sent that to her cool Um, all right um do you have any more like logistical details you want to share can we start trying to i'm trying to think not a whole lot else um there's still things i can't say (laughs) that even pertains to issue one and we're actually already in the planning for the trade collection because that's just how you have to do stuff. Right. Um, which, by the way, you can already order issue two at your local comic book shop also. And I believe by the time issue one comes out, you will probably be able to order issue three because comics, man. I, right. I cannot stress enough to our listeners and to lovers of comics anywhere. If yeah. you want a book, tell your local comic shop to put it in your box. 
Tell yeah. them to order it. This is how this system works. That's how they figure it. Like, ABC Comics is going to look through previews and know that they have X amount of shelf space, and they'll go, oh, this looks like a cool book. I'll bet, so, you know, only I'm going to order four copies because I know that I have four people who will definitely buy that, and I don't need any more than that. If you go in and place those orders, then the comic shop goes, oh, I have 16 special orders for these already. I'm going to order 24. Yeah. Because I need it for the four people that I know would like it, these 16 others. And that means I should probably have for th some for the shelf for the people who don't know yet. Yeah. Pre-order. Yes. And again, I don't know if this is still the case. Probably extra and more so now that because of paper issues. I don't think... I know Image stopped. I don't think Oni does second printings anymore. Like... Really? When it's when it's gone, it's gone. I know Image quit doing it. Um, Image had to because of the pandemic. Okay, that I mean that might be it. So. And I think it's in until there is not a paper shortage, that's going to be an industry standard for a while. Yeah. Um, By so, a while, I don't mean a few months. I mean like twenty twenty six. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's even stuff with issue one that I still can't talk about. Um, I, I believe Cable and Bean know exactly what that is, but uh, I also know of one person in town who has already ordered 40 copies. Mm -hmm. And I can't one say person or one store, one person. So, no, <laughs> I want to be like, Go take your mom. No, <laughs> oh, the way you said no to that, that I'm sorry. <laughs> No, she'll buy some. Actually, what's going to happen is she's going to ask me how to get some for her, and then she will pay me back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. One other process question, or like logistics question, before we uh, before we start uh, deep dive into the the book itself is, okay. um, oh my god, I'm going to blank on your real name. The Deal Warlock uh, was curious yes. if, thank you, X. <laughs> I don't know why I couldn't, my brain couldn't get there. Um, but Bex would like to know, um, with Sarah Salar, did you, did you choose her or was she chosen by Lionforge Oni? How did that all happen? Uh, I didn't choose her. I mean, I had to sign off on her if I didn't like her stuff. It, I mean, it's possible that Shauna would have pushed back, but. Shauna had a short list of people she wanted to work with, and I had a few also. Um, the one thing we knew for sure is that we didn't want uh, we didn't want another guy. Uh, we we wanted a woman to draw the book um, for for various reasons, um, but that's what we wanted. Um, and Shauna had worked with Sarah on a project, I believe, at Dark Horse for a little while, so she knew about Sarah's work, and I remember her telling me like check her out. Let me know what you think. Um, if you like her, we need to jump on this and get her a contract fast because she's about to blow up. Uh, which she did. Uh, her book, Us, about her and her partner and their transition uh, is a huge seller in Spain right now. Um, I know it's getting a U.S. English adaptation 
Um, nice. The book is a is a beast, and she's being asked to do a bunch of other work and stuff. Um, I am super grateful and glad that uh, she has recently told me when we were chatting a little bit that she feels like this has been her strongest work ever, and this is the most fun she's had on a comic, and that she can't wait to do more if there's a volume two and three and so on. Which only way that happens is if volume one sells really well. So, uh, which is cool. Yeah. So we we had a few people. I had a few names uh, that I was really interested in. And uh, yeah, I can't. Some of the names I mentioned are gonna be. I can't say anything more. Nope. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's no. That's that's fine. But, I, I know uh, we we told you to open the floodgates, but yeah, not all of the floodgates. Not only all the, the floodgates. Only the ones you're allowed to open. Yeah, there was okay. something that I thought I would be able to talk about by now, considering what this week is, but I haven't been given the green light. So that is all I will say. <laughs> uh, that is that is fine. Yeah, but I'm sure if you follow Aaron Duran on all of his social media accounts, you'll hear it from him directly. Oh yeah, you'll hear about it like as it happens. As soon as I get the okay by if it's like text or an email or whatever, uh, yeah, no, it's it's off and running. Um, yeah, it's actually been really fun to work with Sarah because she'll just send me like weird snippets of art like directly through Instagram. Um, uh, she's actually. Re- she wrote me once. She's like, I'm sorry, but I'm already shipping some of these characters in my head. And I was like, I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> She's like, I can't help it. I can't help it. <laughs> That's pretty great. Um, yeah. And like, I find this is, and this wasn't a bad thing. I started making me laugh because I never described Althalia of like the style of clothing she wears. I don't like, yeah, she's in jeans or in a kind of a nice flowery shirt or whatever. Uh, from day one, Sarah began to draw Althalia with mom jeans. Just the biggest hiked up mom jeans. They're not mom jeans. That's what the kids are wearing. I know, well, but but they are mom jeans. They're not mom jeans. Yeah, yeah, see. I don't know. They, they, look, like, they look like they look like normal jeans. They look like normal jeans to me. I don't know. I'm just saying. And she laughed. She said, Yeah, so. Um she actually, I mean, as all great artists do, she brought a lot to this book that I hadn't even, like, comprehended, just from different kind of, like, visual styles. Like, that's never how I envisioned Althalia's hair. Um, but now I can't picture her any other way than having her hair like that. Um, so, yeah, just little stuff like that. Um, oh, did we just lose him? He he was so excited, it, it made... Here. Whoa. Whoa. What was that? Hello? I don't know. We're all here though, right? Yeah, and it didn't stop recording. That was very strange. I'm gonna send a quick text. <laughs> um do you do you have art that you can share uh for the, the people in the live stream right now? Um so I wanted to try and share a quick little video, but I can't get it to um 
share. Like it doesn't want to share. Mm. Um, yeah, I know. It's frustrating. Uh, da, 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 da. I can try. I got to make sure that there's nothing weird. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no, okay. there's not. Um, there's I actually, mean... there's some video I wanted to share, but the system won't let me share video. So, which is a bummer. Hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, there's some good stuff on the internet already. If you, yeah, it's, if you just Google season of the Bruja and go over to images. Yeah. Let me see if it'll let me kind of cheat and do it this way. Let's see something. Uh, uh, no. All right, no. Well, hold on. Sorry, this is a lot of work to pull this thing off. Ah! Okay, it might let me do this one. Yes. All right, let's see. So, did anyone see that at all? All right. Well, we'll cut this part. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I, I I tried to upload video too, um, but it's not working. Mm. Yeah, sorry. I was trying to show you one of the art processes that Sarah used to create uh, the character of Dana. Oh. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, I'm trying to find more ways to kind of like talk about stuff, but knowing what I can and can't talk about. I mean, the book's super important to me, not just because it's my first like official published book, um, but it's also been important because it's also kind of required to me to do like more of a deep dive into cultural backgrounds and and family stuff and just discovering more and more about like, you know, pre-colonial Mexico has been pretty eye-opening and very cool. Um, but it's also like dug up like weird shit in my head. Um, which I think anyone who has, you know, whatever mixed heritage or whatever, when they start to do that, it becomes this weird kind of feeling. And so there's been a lot of that. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of that while I, you know, wrote the book and, and whatnot. Um, I remember about a third of the way in the script, like, I sent Sarah a note saying, uh, just FYI, like, the Spanish aren't going to come off very well in this book. She's like, that's all right. We've had it coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's a lot of that. It's a good attitude to have. Yeah, no, she's great. Uh, I hope one day... God, I'd love it if we could get her out here for something. Um, That'd I know, be cool. I know flying someone from you know Spain to U.S. is not is not cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it would be really cool to get her out here. Um, so, and getting anybody anywhere right now is not easy. Mm-mm. 
No, but it would be pretty cool for us to like, I don't know, do like a signing together. That'd be kind of awesome. Maybe when yeah. the trade comes out, that can be possible. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not, this is not me saying like things I know. And I'm like, wink, wink. Like, no, there's no, if there are any kind of remote plans of this, I have not been told anything. So, you know, it's fine. All right. Well, let's um, talk about the story some more. I, I did want to say something since uh, full disclosure, both uh, Denise and I have been able to read the first issue. Kind of yeah. Before it hits the stands. And I, there are a couple of things that I wanted to say that don't give away anything. And one is that it was very amusing to hear what I can only describe as your voice come out of a very specific character. And I'm like, eh, that's not who I would have thought that that was his voice for. But at the same time, of course it is. <laughs> oh, man. Now I'm wondering what that was. I know. We're gonna have to uh, talk I'll tell about... you. Yeah, I'll tell you after the show. Okay. Um, and, and the second is, um, like, the, the whole book, like, the, the, the script is your voice. Like, that, that's the whole point of being a, a writer. But knowing that and knowing you, all of these characters are still very distinct. So from a technical writing aspect, that is coming across very well. Oh, thanks. Um, that is usually one of my big concerns, is that every character's dialogue will sound like it's coming from me, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And there's... There are, I guess you could say there are four primary characters. And they do all have very distinct personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, one is much more snarky than the other. You know, one is... I, I can't get into a lot. Like, one's the very suave character or at least they believe themselves to be mm-hmm. um and yeah i have to kind of approach that and there have been a few times in the script where i've gone back and i've been like oh you know this character starting to sound too much like this character let me let me tweak some dialogue so they keep have their individual voices and stuff for sure yeah but yeah thank you <laughs> felt like bean you were gonna say something uh i lost it it's gone Oh no! I I know I know what it was. It was, it was like, are you are you not able to like tell us who the characters are? I mean, not really, because they haven't. They've only mentioned. I don't want to give anything else away. And so, in the trailer and the previews, they've mentioned you know Althalia. Uh They have mentioned her grandmother, um, and that's kind of it. Okay. They're on the cover I mean, of the book. Right. Yeah, they're all on the cover, and I guess you know what the first those four pages that were in previews, you know show show Dana and they show the character who I'm still calling Chewie as the nickname, but that's not his name. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So there's Althalia. Um, there's Data, who is still some kind of shapeshifter. I'm not going to tell you what, because again, those first previews pages, like Althalia yells out, you know, boss, she's going furry. You know, which is code, <laughs> which is code for, for Dana's about to change. Um and you know that, you know, Boss is now this very tall, suave-looking, kind of goatish, or not goatish, like, he's he is still, I will say, he is still a chupacabra, but is nothing like any legend or myth that you've ever seen in modern folklore about what a chupacabra looks like. Not and that was a that. very, in, and that yeah. was a very intentional choice. Oh, 
Oh, that's interesting because while I do recognize that 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 depiction is not what is commonly pictured for a mm -hmm. chupacabra, it is a, a an aesthetic, not an aesthetic, a a design that I am familiar with. Oh, and, really? Yeah. yeah. Huh. Yeah. It, it's not... like for a second it threw me because it's not what I was expecting, but it's not unfamiliar. And it's not what I, it, it's not a representation from popular culture. Like, I feel like I've stumbled across that in going through actual mythology. Yeah. Um... Uh, like maybe at some point some filmmaker or, or storyteller of some sort uh like sort of set the created the the modern typeset for for what like what we think a chupacabra looks like just like dracula and uh, yeah yep yeah yeah, yeah. um that he's... that could be it yeah he's very much now um let me see here. I never say it correctly. Uh, but yeah, the character now is is loosely designed after if you gave them more fur, a uh, Zoltal, the Mexican hairless dogs, the big ones. Um, yeah. Not not the smaller Sholos. No, the bigger ones. Okay. I mean, they're still not big, big dogs, you know, but they they get up to like sixty pounds. Yeah, that's um, yeah, yeah, uh, because traditionally, uh, those were the dogs that guarded Miklan, mm -hmm. which is the Aztec underworld. I, um, I think it's pronounced You too. I think it is Shol. Yeah. Oh, then yeah, then it is. They come in different sizes. Yeah, it's he's based there on are the smaller big, ones and bigger yeah, ones. He's based on the bigger one. Mm -hmm. uh, which is why he's got that very pronounced snout, snout when you first see him in those first few pages. Mm. Um, I do believe the note I gave Sarah on how he dresses in both forms is um, <laughs> he's loosely inspired by Robin Hood. His, <laughs> his attitude, the Disney Robin Hood. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I will say, once you see him in human forms, he's a big fan of ascots. Big fan. <laughs> that I swear she draws bigger and bigger every chance she gets. <laughs> he's gonna give. He's gonna give Fred a run for his money, kind of thing. There's a whole lot of inside baseball jokes that I'm just. I know. Gonna make. That's fine. Uh, so yeah, that was how she designed him. Um, uh, Isadora, who is Althea's uh, abuela, um, I didn't give much on that. I said just draw, just draw a cute little Mexican grandma, and she went, "Okay." You fucking delivered, man. That grandma <laughs> is so goddamn precious. I know. Mm -hmm. She might be my favorite. Yeah, she's pretty great. Um, yeah, and uh, Althea probably had the most design. Like, I had the most notes on this is how I see her. This is how she dresses. You know, again, like, I was super adamant, like, don't make her, like, sexy. Like, I don't want any of that. And 
the good thing about Sarah is she knew exactly what I was going for, like in in every way. Um, I think there were even a few times where Sarah might have been holding back because she's she's become very protective of Althalia, and it's actually like kind of sweet. Uh, and there's a part, and it's in the first issue, where um, you know Althalia has something bad happen to her, not. It's in the first few pages, like not like shattering, but uh, Sarah kind of pulled back on a couple of panels and Sean agreed with me. We're like, no, this, this needs to look like it's a, that it hurts more Mm. and not because we want to like put her through that, but it's to like really drive home. Like the shit she does is dangerous and we need to show that it's dangerous and that she doesn't fucking back down once it happens. And so Sarah went back and tweaked that, and it's the pages you got, the panels book you you know you guys have seen now. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So that's a lot of stuff like that. Um, Dana is heavily influenced by um, uh, um, an indigenous tribe of North America. I don't want to give it up now because it gets mentioned later on in the series. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. I did a lot of research and worked with a lot of and work with some folks who have knowledge of that indigenous group uh, to make sure I got names correctly. Um, we know she's the shape changer, so I wanted to make sure that what she changes into makes sense. And again, I'm not saying details. Everyone knows she is because, again, those first four pages, like I think you actually see her like her eyes change and one of her hands starts to change. So it's not a big like surprise that she shifts into something. So, um, but yeah, um, her mohawk definitely gets more pronounced as Sarah draws her more and more. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, have I done too much? I'm like, no, nah, just go all out. Like if you want to completely <laughs> shave the size of her head and give her like that spike mohawk, I said, just be consistent. I don't care. It's okay. <laughs> Dana had more hair in the first sketches and she has less now. Hmm. I think it looks badass. <laughs> Um, I think there are a few more questions before we. Yeah, sure. Topic. Do 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 do. Did we yeah. already cover the? Have you thought about including recipes in the back matter? Are you going to have back matter? Uh, I don't know if the issues are going to have back matter. Um, because it went from five issues to a graphic novel, back to five issues. We've kind of had to do some like page juggling. Hmm. Um, so as such, I don't think the individuals will have that much back matter. Um, folks who really know a lot of Oni books, usually the last few pages of Oni books is to kind of highlight other Oni titles. That's kind of what they do, which is, which is cool. Um, but we are talking about, yes, stuff is going to go into the trade. Um, and there will be at least two recipes. Um, so much so that uh, as a side project one day, Sarah and I have already talked about trying to do an uh, an illustrated cookbook. <laughs> it's not ambitious at all. No. Hmm. So yes, there will be there will be recipes uh, in the in the collection. It'll happen. There there is one uh, recommendation for in order to get Sarah over here. Simply doing a, a fundraising live stream called the Marathon of Spain. I saw that. <laughs> Fucking sack. Yep. And then this last question is from Norm. Um, 
with this new iteration of Bruja, what is the one story element that you are just over the moon about? Oh, man. Um, it's, well, part of it is telling the story I've always wanted to tell. Mm-hmm. So that's sack. Um, <laughs> Susong. 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 Uh, okay, so answer your question, no. It's because I am really kind of finally getting to tell the story I've wanted to tell. And this isn't a dig on anything that has previously been written. I also want to make that, like, really well known, everybody. Um, it's not a sequel, but it's also... It's not a sequel. Um, so, yeah, I'm getting to tell the story I've wanted to tell um, about culture and and heritage and finding your roots and finding your place in it through this character um some of the other things are almost they seem almost kind of superficial but in the past few years i've learned so many elements to uh early aztec and even pre-aztec culture that it's just fucking cool that i now get to use it's it's like it's just little things that could just be a quick one or two panels, but they're in there now. And to me, it's just cool to, to, to bring that up. Um, like the, it's on the cover and I'm not going to say what it does in the book, but like after all these years of, after discovering it, I finally get to fucking include the Aztec death whistle. <laughs> I thought that might be what she's holding. Oh yeah. That's exactly what she's holding where she's holding one of them. Um, and those things are just righteous. I just love them, and they're terrifying when you use them. Well, here's one that I think I'm not gonna, I'm not giving anything away because it, again, it's on the cover. But um, you got to include some alebrijes in your yeah. end, end of the book, and that's that one. Even if it wasn't on the cover, I don't think it would be much of a much of a surprise because I think at this point they're a well known part of Mexican culture within mm-hmm. like. Like Americans kind of know what that is now. I yeah. don't know what it is. It's if you see like they're the really brightly painted animals, but they're never. I want to say they look at chimera because that projects Greek stuff. It'll be like a bright red jaguar with a snake's tail and wings. Okay. That they're, kind of I guess like like the, like the most boiled down way you can put it is that they are like the Mexican spirit animals. Yeah. And uh, if I, if like memory serves, like any any family has at least one that is sort of their like chosen. They're almost totemic. Yeah, and they're uh, the, the the art style that they um, that they have is is really unique and like really elaborate, uh, and they're usually they're usually hand painted, <laughs> like yeah. these little guys. Oh. Yeah, we have a few in our kitchen too. My dad used to uh, like be an an art importer type of thing that he did for a while, and uh, and so we had like a million of these (laughs) growing up. So I will I will say I think I mentioned this before. Those characters are only in the book because of Sarah. Uh, They are not in the original script, like at all. Oh. Uh, (laughs) One day I was, I was she was turning in pages. Or she was starting to work on stuff. And I think at one time, I think in the book, I think I just mentioned that Althalia has a cat. Because I just wanted to... She owns a cat. That was it. 
I didn't win. And it wasn't like it's not a familiar. It's just she owns a she owns a fucking cat. She lives with her grandma. She owns a cat. Sarah's the one who came back with like, what if I did this? And what if her grandma has one too? And she was like, kind of like familiars, even though I not they don't have familiars in that tradition. And I was like, I don't care. I love it. Do it. <laughs> um, and then they became a much, much bigger part of the story. Like it actually, I don't want to say force because that's not true. It gave me the opportunity to expand some lore that I think in the long run makes the soul, makes the story better and the series better. And that's all her, all of See, that. This is, her. That's the sort of, um, you have to be ready for adaptation and for changes on a dime in comics that are the good sort of changes where you come into the story one way and the other creator comes into the story the other way and you both look at each other and go, but what if we did both? And you come up with something brand new. Yeah. Um, trying to think of something else. I did... Uh, there is a, a character eventually that through no intention of my own, I gendered as they, them, just in writing something they were doing. Instead of me writing he or she, I wrote, and then they do this. And it wasn't intentional. It was just, I just did it. And Sarah came back with an all new character design. And she was like, oh my God, with you taking the gender away from this character or like a general gender identity, she's like, I'm going to cut loose. And she did. And this character looks amazing. Again, wouldn't have happened if I hadn't have done that and she hadn't have been like, I'm going to run with that. So, not saying which character, though. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Once issue five has dropped and everyone's read it, we yes. can do the deep dive into the story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing I do want to add, it's on the cover of issue one, and I don't know if she is doing a little bit of help on interior backgrounds, uh, like with ROK, but she's not part of the official team, is uh, Sarah's girlfriend, uh, Diana. Mm. Um, folks who see the cover of issue one, which you can see it online right now, if you notice like the terrifying skulls and death metal-esque cover in the background, that's Sarah's girlfriend, Diana, mm. um, who should basically be drawing every monster manual in existence. Like, she just draws just the most righteous like I want it painted on the side of every me of every van <laughs> and like every metal album cover she just does what's funny is she keeps like tweeting out to like Wizards of the Coast being like someone should take a look at my portfolio uh, like she draws God Cable what are they called the they're in one of the sets they're like machines that can build upon themselves and they can Pyrexians yeah, she draws terrifying Phyrexians. Like, they're amazing looking. Hmm. So every time I see her post some art, and I'm like, hire her! Like, some game company, for the love of God, hire her. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Now, what I want to point out, like, it's, it's super subtle, too. At one point, I forgot that those background images were there on the cover. Yeah. Um... Because, and I don't know, maybe part of it is that, that like, Sarah's uh, 
art is so vibrant and colorful. Uh, and then so that the background stuff is, you know, background art. It's not meant to, to pop in the same way. But once you notice it, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, son of a bitch. That's good. Yeah, it's really good. And it also kind of helps hint at, like, stuff that's coming. Mm. You know, because you... It's basically impossible to write about anything that includes Aztec myths and just there was a lot of fucking like death shit. <laughs> it just kind of comes with the territory. You know, <laughs> it's like it's like after when Guillermo del Toro won for Shape of Water and someone asked him, like, how do you tell these beautiful love stories? But with these horrible monsters and he's like, that's just what Mexico does. Like. Like, that's it. Like, our monsters aren't just going to tear you apart at night. Like, they're broken and they're sad and they want to be loved. And then tear you apart if they have to. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, I think there's that element in all monsters, which makes me question the nature of our stories about monsters. Look, I almost never make the monster the bad guy. Because they aren't. Yeah, usually they aren't, yeah. Um, yeah, so um, what I monsters mean, are can, beautiful? You can take that all the way back to Mary Shelley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the creature wasn't evil until it had no other choice. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, even then, I don't think, like, that makes that makes him evil or even his actions evil. Right, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so. Um, yeah, I don't know what else. I wish I could go into more, but then I'll feel like I'll start giving shit away. Right, right. Well, uh, we don't want to get you in any trouble. <laughs> that, it's good to leave people wanting. So yeah. if you want to know more, go to your comic store. Yes. Pre-order the book. Yes. Get your uh, copy of Season of the Bruja. Ooh. Sorry, and don't hurt Cable's back. Uh, if you don't have a local shop that you know about, you can go to comicbookshoplocator.com. And they will generally have, um, yeah, whatever's closest to you. Um, and there's online sites too. Like, it, you know, it, it, you can go to tfaw.com and place an order that way. So there are dedicated online sites for comics also. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I know that Michael Ring set up a specific order page for the book. Um, I can bring the link up sometime pretty here soon and stuff. So, yeah. Um, while we're talking about Bridge City, not to hijack what you're talking about. Bridge no, City Comics Brit- was, yeah, they were broken into today. Oh, my God. That's right. Again. Again. This is the second, second time, time in a month? This month and year. a half this year. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, last time it was, they, I, I, I think they broke in through the back and got cash. Mm-hmm. So there, but this was they broke an entire door and stole stole the computer too much. Yeah, yeah. They stole his computer. So um, now is a good time to support your local comic shop if your local comic shop is Bridge City Comics. Yeah, for sure. Um, now I feel extra guilty for not cleaning up my box last month. Ah. Uh. There's like two titles in it. It's not like it's. 
Um, yeah, yeah, I saw that today, and I was like, God damn it. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely support your local shop, especially if it is Bridge City. That's a shitty thing to happen for them. Yep. Yeah. For anyone, but you know, um, yeah. Why would you? Never mind. I have to say, why would you rob a comic book store? Probably had less to do with what kind of store it is and the fact that it's a, you know, a glass front store. With a, with a computer on the counter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right yeah. there. It's, um, yeah. Sorry, I don't, I, I don't have any responses that aren't highly politically charged and we're, we're not, we're not going to go there. Tonight. Yeah. But yeah. Well, uh, should we move on to Avatar a little bit here? Sure. sure. We've got two episodes of that. Yeah. Uh, can you guys start? I have to run up and check something. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This is a good spot where we can take a quick break and talk about our sponsors. Uh, you probably saw uh, on the Bridge City Comics page that uh, they had a major break-in. Uh, you know, front window door shattered. Some stuff was taken. Their computer was stolen. So... This is kind of a roundabout way to say, like, if you've ever wanted to help out uh, our sponsor, Bridge City Comics, this is a really good time right now. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're still going to have all the old books. They're going to open as fast as they can, but, you know, maybe have some have some patience with them right now. This is a really rough time in general, and then to add this on, you know, doesn't, doesn't do anyone any favors. So when you do go by 3725 North Mississippi Avenue, um, you know, maybe if you can, you know, maybe grab an extra used book or an extra comic. I know it seems gross to be like, consume to help someone out, but that's just kind of the nature uh, of the beast right now. So if there was a trade you were maybe putting off picking up, because uh, you're like, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. This is a really good time to get to it. So please go over there and also, you know, show them some love, show them that they're not in this alone and that they've got fans and supporters and, and all that great stuff over at Bridge City Comics. Uh, you can also find them at bridgecitycomics.com. And, uh, yeah, before we get back to the show, uh, talk about our longest sponsor, Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. Um, I know we're getting towards the end of the month, but I wanted to point this out that um, it gets passed up a lot, um, especially... Uh, there are a lot of African-American and, and black creators who make some really fantastic board games and RPGs and um, yeah, uh, Gardening Games has kind of put together a collection that you can you can seek it out. Uh, I def- especially if you were a fan of Cyberpunk, the video game or the RPG, the RPG, um, that was created by a, an African-American creator and it's a great game. It's a new version now. In fact, if you were kind of disappointed in the Cyberpunk video game that came out, what is it, last year? Whatever. Um... The RPG, the pen and paper RPG, kind of is the game you wanted. They based a lot of the game off this new incarnation of the RPG. Um, And then, because no video game can capture the density of a tabletop RPG, they had to drop a lot of elements that you maybe find missing. Um, Especially a lot of the socio-political stuff. And that is in the cyberpunk RPG. I really do highly recommend it along with all of the other uh, RPGs you will find there. Um, I've also gotten to read, it's a Call of Cthulhu um, tie-in for the Call of Cthulhu RPG, which we all know, Lovecraft, heavily problematic. 
but there is a source book called Harlem Unbound. I've seen people kind of play test it. It's it's pretty sweet. So you have a lot of options. Go down to Guardian Games and check them out. Three, four, five, Southeast Portland, Southeast. <laughs> Jeez. Woo! Southeast Taylor in Portland, Oregon. And when you're there, thank them for being a sponsor of Geek in the City Radio. Okay. All right. Oh, excuse so, me. I can't stop yawning tonight. That's quite all right. I've been doing the same thing. Um, I am curious. Someone mentioned earlier that I'm gifing all over the place, and I don't know what that means. I didn't either, and so I just kept going. If you want to explain yourself text box please do because i don't know what that meant explain yourself if, text box i don't know if it means that i was making a bunch of faces which i tend to do because i just have this and it's expressive even when i don't have eyebrows i have eyebrow motions and i do a lot of this when i'm listening to people so and i don't i'm not paying attention to what my face does so if that's what they mean Oh, okay, I get you. If it means that there's a technical issue, I'd like to know what that is so we can fix it. It means I'm a mood. <laughs> uh, thanks, Bex. <laughs> okay, Not in a mood, so, but are, you are a mood. I, I am a mood. A whole mood? A whole mood. I'm about, right? <laughs> I'm about six. Six whole Oh, moods? I see. I was making a series of faces, then returning to zero. Yep. Ah, uh, okay. Cool. So literal, literal GIF. Literal GIF faces. Mm-hmm. So, well, if, if, <laughs> if anyone is that ambitious and they want to take the video from this podcast and make GIFs, I'm, there's literally nothing I can do to stop any of you. Okay, uh, so we, we're already turned... getting art made of our like the weird things that we say. So I think being made into gifts is really only the next, like the like the next step in the natural progression. Wait, we're getting art made of things that we say. Yeah. Um. Oh my God. Now I'm gonna forget his name. It's it's Scott. It's Scott something. Oh yeah. Did, no, uh, Scott did the bender, old, yeah. You know, like you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Avatar. So, I know exactly what you're talking about now. Yep. Okay, cool. Cool. We're all on the same page. And now, yeah, I, now I follow Scott on the Instagram. So as I do too now. <laughs> um all right. Um, so as we delve we go back into the world of not Asia in Avatar, the last airbender. <laughs> what are we gonna so call this, this segment? Is, uh, oh my oh we never decided, did we? No, we what did not decide. No. Um someone wasn't there one that involved had... Appa? Uh, I, like I mean, that was it the could. One. Appa, or Appa in Appa, and it's something like opinion, right? Appa, opinion, somebody, Appa somebody, opinion. yeah, yeah. Someone else this evening said strolling through Avatar or something like that. I don't <sighs> remember. I'm not going to look it up. Yeah. Well, for right now. I'm I'm sorry. I I want this opinion on record right now. Fuck NFTs. <laughs> Fuck NFTs. Fuck yeah. cryptocurrency. All of it is bullshit. It is snake oil. It is a lie. Money and capitalism is already a lie. Please do not get into this other lie. Fuck that. Fuck and NFTs. I want to add that Norm is joking, folks. I'm sure he is. I know yeah. Norm is. Yeah. I don't want Norm to be like, I was just joking. 
No, no. I, he's sensitive. I, I know Norm. Norm and I are good. We're solid. Um, but for the record. I, I also, for the record, 100% fuck NFTs. Yeah. And every crypto bro that has been pushing them. Motherfucker. They're also going in the chopper. Like I'm not going to talk about the headline I saw today. Mm. I don't want yeah, to know. Not... Don't, you can tell us afterwards. Mm-hmm. I said I'm not, I said I'm not going to say it. You know what I'm going to say? We were talking opinions? about... We were talking about... <laughs> yeah, you guys are going to hear my alpha opinions. Uh, so this arc is called Winter Solstice Part 1. It's episodes 7 and 8. Still mm-hmm. on season mm-hmm. 1. And so episode... Uh, the first... Epi- the, 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 the naming structure is so complex. As it is, we're still in what's called book one. Yes. Right now, the arc that we're in is Winter Solstice, but only part one of it. And it's it's these two episodes. Part one is the spirit world, episode seven. And then part two, episode eight, is called Avatar Roku. So there's a lot of elements going into the names of these episodes. I, I, I still don't <laughs> understand what makes this a two-part episode. Because... There's no, like, the narrative structure of this show is all of these episodes are linked. These two specific episodes are not specifically linked. There's there's a two-part episode yeah. that comes up later. No, yeah, I guess, like, episodes seven and eight are are no more linked than episodes six and seven. Because at the end of episode six, he's like, I know where that island is that we got to go to. And then in episode seven, they start going that way, but it, that doesn't actually culminate until episode eight. Yeah, yeah, I think the big standout for me in episode seven is I feel like this is the first time where like Ang has resigned himself to like, okay, I guess I am this avatar. I have to be the avatar. I have to be the avatar. Um, but he has no mentor, so he also sucks at it. Yeah, he's kind of. I mean, doing, and that's and it's part of his growth. I mean, he he's doing that, you know, like young chosen boy, why me kind of a thing, right? Uh, which is almost like somewhat akin to the the stages of grief, like what is it, like denial, bargaining, and so yeah, he's at the point now where he's like, okay, fine, I this is me, this is my jam, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, but I don't know how to do it. I don't, I, I can't do it if I don't know how. Um, not not a fan. I, I mean, I'm just I, a dumb twelve year old, and I just want to have fun and fly around the world on my flying bison. Yeah, <laughs> sure. it's not a bad thing. I mean, as far as like young characters who could be really annoying go, you know, he's no Caillou. Uh, I I, I like him better than um. It's a it's like a like a like a baby show for babies cartoon show, and um. Like, literally, like, it's a toddler's cartoon show. Um, and, uh, and, and this is the a baby main... show for babies. <laughs> Stupid, useless babies. Uh, and and Caillou, the main character, is a piece TV, of shit. He's a, like, the little piece of shit. He's a whiner. He doesn't like to share his toys. He's just a little, just a little fuck. Um, you did kind of say it like, what is this? A center for ants? <laughs> That's kind of where that it's that's kind of what it is. <laughs> baby show for babies. Yep. Um, there, that's 
That's the uh, that's the quote. For the episode. <laughs> a baby <laughs> show babies. for babies, <laughs> with uh, as much disdain as can possibly be captured. Yes. Uh, oh. I I like Aang better than I like what's his face from um, Voy uh not Voyager uh Prodigy Dal Prodigy yeah Dal Dal. Yeah, I like I, him better I than don't. Del. <laughs> I actually like Del better. Uh, no, I like I like Aang. He seems like a sweet young kid. You know, ultimately, like when it's all said and done, like he's obviously, uh, you know, he's obviously like trying to like avoid his responsibility. But he's all it's also a lot of responsibility for someone of that age. And he, he he's not wrong in saying like he lacks appropriate mentorship. No, no one else in this world has the knowledge or experience that he needs to to, to study at the feet of. Right. Yeah. Yep. It. Uh, Norm says, "Babies, you mean the freeloader who freeloader who sits in one of the rooms in my house and poops themselves?" Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Those, those babies. babies. Um, I guess with. So, what we get out of these two episodes is uh, it's the what Denise said about Aang resigning himself to yes, I I I need to be the Avatar because clearly things are broken and I'm gonna have to fix them. Um, and two kind of gives us a glimpse into another superpower of. Aang's, which is connecting to the spirit world. Right. Um, which, okay, like we're so far we, we've gone on to, there are in this world, there are people who can manipulate existing elements, the, the fire, water, uh, air, and earth. And then there are people that can't. That that seems to be the two things, um, except for avatars who can master all four. Which, I guess, I don't understand why there's that division. It, it feels like it it's all the same power, just different elements. You mean? Or... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like. Hmm. It's like saying I can wield the force, but only this way. Yeah, I'm. I guess I feel like they explain it a little bit, and that depending on the kingdom you're from, that's your you know, like you have an attunement towards it, and you yeah. have to. Because <laughs> that's because that's why it's called the last airbender. Sure. I. I... I don't know why and narrative reasons. I mean, I'll go with that. Like, well, yeah. I, well, no, I think it's called the Last Airbender because there's no one left from the Air Nation. Did they all blow away? And and yeah, the the Fire Nation killed everybody, right? I get the joke, Aaron. I know. <sighs> <clears throat> Um, that makes two of us. Uh, one thing I will say uh, that really stood out for me on these both these episodes, 
I don't know if this is what I'm going to see going forward. The animation really has picked up. Mm-hmm. Like the quality. There were times where it was kind of gave me like some Miyazaki vibes. Um, it just felt like they had more time to create these episodes. And I don't know if maybe right around now they're getting a better budget or if I'm just appreciating it better now. I'm not sure. Um, but these two episodes just looked a lot cleaner than the previous ones to me. It, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it, you know, I think this one's all about the connections of how nature and spirituality kind of intertwine with each other. And that kind of both sides of Aang's life, those who are trying to help him and those who are trying to catch him, like they both have to come to terms with that. Otherwise, neither of them will succeed. Whether we want them to succeed or not, is that's that's the case. But um, they both have to figure out their place in it. So, yeah. Hmm. Those, are, those are my thoughts, I guess. <laughs> the other thing that happens in these two episodes is they take a hard right turn from it's like oh yeah we're gonna go north and we're going to go to the water other water tribes and learn how to water bend to yeah we have to go straight into the heart of the fire nation because i had a vision Mm -hmm. yeah i did like the line of like if they see smoke i'm gonna give them a reason to follow it or something that's a pretty sweet Mm -hmm. line Mm -hmm. yeah um I just read a review somewhere on there that says uh, no one gives Appa enough credit. He's kind of like the Millennium Falcon of this series. Whenever someone needs to be saved, it's swooping in to save the day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, That was my favorite part of this arc, I guess, was getting (laughs) a little more time with him. And he is a... Like you, 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 you learn that he has like this, like this, like big reputation from from the days uh, during the war, um, but he doesn't like the the way people talk about him and the way he behaves feel like two different people. Wait, back up. You, Aaron, you were talking about Appa. Yeah, wasn't I? I you so. were. You, you totally. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. You totally said Appa, but my brain said Iro. Oh, okay. Well, Iro. 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 Thank you. Go ahead and talk I, more about Iro then. I was like, wait a minute. Did I, I, I mess something? I think it's because you also watched King Convenience and you associate older, bearded Asian men <laughs> with with the term Appa. Maybe. Sneak I'm going to go with that. Maybe. Because that makes you, sense. Yeah. You suffered a sneak definitely attack. an oppa. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, I, I actually really enjoy uh, the Iro character. Um, I know technically he's supposed to be one of the bad guys, but he's not a bad dude as, as an individual. I don't think the Fire Nation is inherently bad. Um, no, but their government is, I guess. It's, it's... Their government is a monarchy. So there is so that... one crazy person at the top of that. Right. And, that's <laughs> and the everyone other else thing... has to do what the crazy person says. Right. That's yeah. the other thing that kind of comes comes to the fore 
with uh, in episode eight, they they get to this temple and there's this like one Fire Nation priest who's like, no, 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 I'm on your side, and I've been having to like lie low all these years because I don't agree with what we're doing as a nation. <clears throat> Sorry, I was just reminded that uh, Paul Sun Hung Lee, who played Appa, mm-hmm. is playing Uncle Iroh. Wait, what? Yes. In the yeah, live he's action. in the live action as Uncle. Oh, Iroh. the live action. Yeah, yeah. Yep. No, he's played um, by um, Mako in the cartoon. Right, right. That's why I was like, that's not what I remember. Uh, no, I think he'll be perfect as uh, mm-hmm. as Uncle Iroh. He can he's he can be like serious and sage, but mostly kind of goofy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I I actually am looking forward to like really really getting into the the details of why Prince Zuko was exiled by his father, but his uncle gets goes with him. And obviously is there to like help take care of him and, and guide him in, in some sort of direction. I would say the right direction, but that would mean that would, that, that implies that like the right direction, according to who? Uh, spoilers. You, we get that explanation in episode 12. Oh, no! very. Yeah. I'm already, I, I'm sorry. I'm ahead. Cause I watched these four and then we only did two and I had already started watching the next four. Oh crap. That's right. So I'm trying to keep some other stuff out of my commentary for these two episodes and just focus on what I did and did not like about these two episodes. No, it's okay. I do not consider that a spoiler. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it did come out in 2005. So. That's true. Also that. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, so... So yeah, so that's... that. Those are, those are things that we are learning is that like even within the Fire Nation, there is, there are people who who would prefer to like to foment, uh, not foment, but there's dissenting opinions within the the rank and file of the Fire Nation as well as in the nation itself. Right, right. Like the other the other groups obviously don't like that that the Fire Nation is like putting the boot down on everybody and their ways of their, the, however they want to live their lives. Uh, but it is good to see that even within the Fire Nation, people are like, that shit ain't right, man. Um, Which begs the question, what happened in the Fire Nation 100 years ago that made them go, the only way we can save the world is through order? is through forced order. Why did they go from four nations peacefully living together and coexisting to one militantly dominating all of the others? Like Mm -hmm. what happened to them? Mm -hmm. Right. And I, you can kind of, you kind of already get those like felony vibes where like, okay, the bad (laughs) guys aren't just bad guys. There's something else going on here. And it's, it's going to be probably complicated and messy and and not particularly black and white. Right. Right. Which, I mean, we sort of get once um, Aang gets to the temple and uh, convenes with the spirit of Avatar Roku, you do get the glimpse of, oh, there was a cosmic imbalance 
that screwed things up and gave the Fire Nation more power, that doesn't still doesn't explain why they chose to use the power the way they did. Mm-hmm. And now this same comet is coming back, which is going to screw up things even more or give Aang an opportunity to fix everything. Which again gets back into, that's a lot to lay on a 12-year-old. Right. Also, I think there's like eight seasons of this, so probably not going to save the whole world in one go right now. There are three seasons. Why yeah. did I? I yeah, they're not very long. Thing. If they were eight seasons, I would have gone, no. <laughs> like, if we're going to do that, let's just fucking watch FCW show all over again. Jesus, those things are for, take forever. Let's just watch Supernatural. It's funny. I, I, I don't know where I got eight from. My brain went to like a weird spot too when you think, well, like Ang Lee's ne- or Ang Lee. <laughs> That's funny. Uh huh. Um, oh, in my head now, that's a hilarious little movie. Um, <laughs> and we're all, he like acknowledges what he's supposed to be, and he's like 12, mm-hmm. and it sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny, it's like I found myself thinking of all things Kevin Smith's dogma. And it's the part where uh, the woman who becomes, who is at first the last Zion, like she has that freak out by the lake who's like, she's screaming like a god, like, why me? It's not fair. How dare you? And Alan Rickman, who is just wonderful in all things, like comes back to her and he says, you're right. It's, It's not fair. Like, I had to say the same thing to Jesus. Here I am talking to a 13-year-old boy who just wants to be a 13-year-old boy. And not only do I tell him, not only are you the son of God, but you are God. You've been sent here to help people that are inevitably going to persecute and kill you. Mm-hmm. And it's not fair. Um, and they're going to hate you for it. You know, it, I, it was weird, but like, I, it's like an interesting kind of trope that tends to weave its way into a lot of mythical storytelling. Um, but as, as for me personally, is always really effective, you know, of the, I didn't want this. Well, sorry, you have it. Yep. Um, now we got to do something with it, you know, and you will be unappreciated afterwards. Yeah. And like, probably everyone's not going to like you afterwards for doing the very thing you had to do, you know? So, yeah. Uh, I'll be curious to see how this show ends because I literally I know nothing about it. Like I've and I've avoided analysis articles about it because I'm trying to like approach it honestly as I go. So yeah, I'm not surprisingly I'm not getting uh, suggested reading for for this series yet. <laughs> yet uh, now that I've said it out loud, um, but yeah, I I'm I'm enjoying the fact that I'm like totally blind on this other other stuff you know like when i first did when i first started trekkication i'm like well no i've never really seen a star trek technically but but i you know i know things it's been out there i have i have references i know stuff yeah you can't live in this country or in this society and not have some sort of reference to star trek come up something like not it's like i've never seen star wars but i still know these things Right. Yeah, no, they're 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 a huge part of of the Zeitgeist even before all of these revivals. So Right. Um but 20 years down the road, I still know 
I only know eight episodes worth of stuff about Avatar. Yeah. No, that's about to change. <laughs> so yeah, that's a good spot for now. Yeah, I will say that going into next week, uh, I'm I had a better appreciation of the next four episodes. Um, episode twelve in particular. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, it's one of the higher rated ones too. Um, nice. Episode twelve gives you a lot of gives you some backstory that you're looking for. Excellent. It's like, oh, okay, great, nice. So I know we're doing that next week. I can look at our spreadsheet and see what else is on the docket, but I don't have it open. Um, Oops. I think you guys did a great job last week with Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, that was fun. Um, my favorite part was you comparing Boba Fett to Jesus. You know, it's funny. I have to go back and listen. I don't remember when I did that. It's a very me thing to do, but I don't remember doing it. It was. It had something to do with the lead up of him coming out of the desert. It's like you know, leading the people out of the desert, like Jesus. <laughs> oh, he didn't even do that. No. That was Moses. That was Moses. <laughs> hmm. It was um, the temptation in the desert. That was Jesus. I I I did want to chime in with one tidbit, which was. Um, I think I may have talked to you both individually about this, but my one of my favorite bits was Fennec Shan's assassination scene. Because if this had been any other show or any other writing team, we would have gotten the trope of Fennec Shan would have been given the opportunity to betray Boba, and then that would have set up an eventual betrayal in season two, and that would have given us dramatic tension, blah, blah, blah. It would all also been very tropey, and I would have hated it. Yeah. Instead, we get Fennec Shan performing a room full of symbolic kills, and reinforcing the fact that the lo- the bond of loyalty between her and Boba Fett now exceeds money, right. fame, wealth, riches. It's like, no, no, we have each other. We now don't need the rest of you. Yeah. And also, that's very powerful to me. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it definitely locks their relationship in pretty tight. Yeah. Um, like, she hung an Athorian. That's what I was going to bring up, man. This is still a Disney show. Like, that was hardcore. Yep. She um, hung an Athorian. Like, his feet dangled as he died. Yep. <laughs> so she hung the... Pol- she shot the, the three minor bosses, hung, hung the politician and then stabbed the head of the syndicate in the back the exact symbolically the way that the syndicate stabbed Boba in the back. Yeah. It's like that. And then walked out the front fucking door. Right. <laughs> and then that scene also kind of reminded me because we haven't seen her do a lot of this in the book of Boba Fett, but I had that moment of like, oh, that's right. She's not a bounty hunter. She's an assassin. Mm-hmm. I forgot. That's her that, act. He's been telling this that all season. Every time he introduces, and this is Fennec Shan, Master Assassin. But and I just forget because you don't see her do it a whole lot. Nope. This is Master Assassin Fennec Shan. It's like, she always gives him the side of like, would you stop saying that out loud? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, no, no, I'm foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. 
Also, you guys can find it. I don't know if it was an official Disney thing, but it's all on the YouTubes of uh, Tamura Morrison uh, back in New Zealand receiving a wooden Boba Fett helmet that's been carved in Maori tradition. Uh, it's too damn precious. Oh my god! Like they I do a version of the Hapa, and yeah, yeah, he okay. he breaks he breaks down a little bit, but it's a pretty precious video to watch. So it's all right, cool. I will I will look for that. Yeah. There's a lot of nerd shit coming down the pike. Picard season two starts next week. Yeah, uh, we're now two episodes, I believe, into the back half of Discovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we might have some big Trek coming up. Yeah, we should uh, definitely talk some Trek. Yeah. Jesus. Trek, Trek. Um, I wouldn't mind giving, uh, uh, now that it's season one is fully over, giving some time to Peacemaker, because that was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> yeah, we could do a fun Peacemaker wrap-up. Um, God, that cameo at the end. Fucking, I was not ready for that at all. There... There was not an episode of that show that I was ready for. No. Yeah, no. I think that's a valid statement. Not a single one. Um, A fun little thing, I don't know if you guys read this, that James Gunn had posted. They're like, how did you pull this cameo off? Uh, He said, funny story. uh, That was my Marvel crew who filmed the DC cameo. Because he's neck deep in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. He's like, Mm -hmm. so they're, yeah, so the the Marvel crew filmed the DC cameo. Just kind of great. Just, I don't know. I, it's fine for them to do it in Peacemaker and stuff, because I know I'll complain sometimes about, like, Justice League being an R-rated movie, because that's bullshit. But in the Peacemaker show, having Aquaman say, fuck you, Barry. So good. <laughs> <sighs> Laughed so hard. Yeah. It was so <laughs> funny. Yeah, it was really great. Yep. Well, we have a lot to talk about in the coming weeks. We and do. It'll we're be certainly fun. not done talking about season of the Bruja. Thank you no. for giving that us Thanks. all of that, Aaron. Yeah, sorry I didn't delve into more because I'm just you know afraid of giving away stuff that I'm not supposed to give away yet. That's fine. Then we have plenty of other stuff to talk about. So. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. <clears throat> and we will have Sarah on eventually. Uh, it will just be tricky. A, she's nine hours ahead, uh, which doesn't help. Makes things tricky. Mm-hmm. So, like, when we go on the air, it's 3.30 in the morning the next day for her. Mm. Um, and she is wrapping up. She's feverishly wrapping up issue five right now, plus some other work. Um, Sarah's very, very busy. So, sure. And then all of March, she's doing something like 12 shows in March in Europe. So, we I might mean... get her. I, I chatted her up. I said, maybe we can plan it for when the trade comes out. That way we can really delve into all the aspects of the book now that it's out. So that is more likely, which will be cool. That sounds great. Yeah. Well, thanks, everyone. Uh, with that, I'm Aaron Duran. I'm Banerita. And I'm going to go ice my back. That's right. <laughs> uh, we are all old, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.